sage and fighting the fight. He has fought cities. He has fought counties. Politicians. Naysayers. Hell, he's even fought mayors. Thank you for listening to Sage and the Houseless Movement, a weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide. And all other things considered homeless? Yes. Broadcasting live from your Alexa device, the Radio Free Network app, iOS, WMVU.org, Many Voices United, and the Radio Free Network.com. And now, from some wooded area in Akron, Ohio, here is Sage the Rage Lewis. You know, you got to admit, sometimes people are just terrible. Like, that's the weirdest thing, is that people are both amazing and terrible. Like, are other animals like that? I guess they are. Uh, You know, bears like to eat their young. They're real assholes. But then they're bears. You're like, well, but they like honey. Uh, Maybe we're all like that. Like, I think we just have to come to the conclusion and acceptance that there is a component of humanity within all of us that just sucks. Just is terrible terrible and then see it's stuff like this that makes you think oh yeah man this is not created by divine intervention this is not some sort of god experiment we're a mess (laughs) we're like What kind of deity would create things that he already knows? And I'm going to call him he in this case, because only a man could come up with this bullshit. That he knows we're exactly like we are. He knows exactly what we're going to do, when we're going to do it, and how we're going to do it. He's got the whole map. He's got the whole world in his hands. You know he does. You sang that song, right? It's a cute song. So he knows we're terrible. He knows it. He knew that we were going to eat that apple. The minute he put that tree up, he knew we were going to eat that apple, and then he has the audacity to be pissed. That makes you think this can't possibly be organized. (laughs) This can't possibly be some sort of all knowing God out there doing this. Cause he already knows who we are and he's mad. Like, (sighs) So like, okay, let's say this, let's say you create a Sim city. Okay. You know, Sims, right? You go and you make a city and they go live their life. But instead of you watching it all play out, 
you know, watching them just, you know, live their lives and screw up or not screw up. You already know the outcome. As soon as you put them on the, on the ground in that sim, you know what it's going to end up being. You know instantly what it's going to end up being. So, A, why would you bother playing? And B, unless you didn't want to, unless you wanted to create a shithole, why would you play the game where your people get, are all fucked up? You play it, you put them on the board, you put them in the game, you roll it ahead 250,000 years in a second, in an instant, and you're like, oh, wow, that's no good. I'm not going to go with that. Hey. Do you understand? Like, this is a. I guess we have free will though. Some people are like, well, we have free will, but doesn't God already know what we're going to do? I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a version where God doesn't know in which case then that's fine. He's like, well, I don't know what these people are going to do in which place he's playing Sim city, just like the rest of us. And then that's cool. But I don't think all people believe in that. I think, in fact, the Calvinists believe that, like, there's no matter what you do, you're already going to heaven or hell, you know? And uh, so that's pretty terrible. So the only way in my mind that this can possibly work out is that God doesn't know how the story is going to end. Then, in which case, I can be like, okay, that. It seems like a deity that seems reasonable, but a deity that already knows what we're going to do. That. Like I would retool the game. I would be like, Oh no, that's not what I wanted. I wanted him to, uh, you know, get along and live happily ever after. Or he's a dick and he's like, I love just watching them eat each other. It just brings me so much joy and happiness in my eternal blase blase. I mean, that's a terrible God. I mean, he's just like sitting around just watching us, even though he could come in and you know, we're obviously praying for things to happen. We're like, dear God, please let the Browns win this football game. They never win or whatever. You know, we're praying all the time, which would suggest that we believe God can come in and shape things. God, please let me kill all those no good bastards I'm going to war with. And meanwhile, they're saying the same prayer about you. So we must think that God can come in and change stuff, right? Then why, because why would you pray otherwise? 
And so therefore, if we think that God can change things and he lets the things go on that he lets go on, he's a dick. That's all you can come up with. God is a dick. <laughs> There's a guy on TikTok I watch. He pretends he's Jesus and he's talking to his, you know, his dad, God. And like one of the skits he does, he, you know, he does it in different variations, but he's like, all right, God, uh, we got two last prayers. We can only pick one. First one is little Bobby who's dying of leukemia. He would like to uh, just see his baby sister being born in a week, about a, you know, in a week uh, before he dies. And then we have uh, Bob over here who's totally shit faced at his um, bachelor party and he wants to get laid by this, uh, this prostitute. And God's like, eh, let's go with the prostitute one. <laughs> you see, that's like what it's like, you know, God grants, if God grants prayers, he's approving weird prayers and taking away other terrible prayers that don't like, you know, do you get what I'm saying? God's a dick. If that's the God we got. Uh, I don't know how you could possibly think that guy was great. He's a total dick. If that's who you think God is. So, and the reason I bring it all up is because proposition B, proposition B, let me get you proposition B, prop B, Austin voters choose to bring back homeless camping ban. Now, Austin is supposed to be one of those cool towns, one of those hip cool towns. They have a saying like, uh, keep it weird, Austin, or something like that. After all the votes were counted in Austin, Proposition B soared to victory in a race many thought would be tighter than it ended up. In a hotly contested debate involving the city's homelessness crisis, 57% of voters said they would favor a reinstating criminal penalties for camping in public spaces, and 42% said they were not. More than 150,000 voters cast a ballot, 85,000 in favor, 64,000 against. Prop B, Proposition B, took center stage among eight ballot propositions giving residents the voice they did not have two years ago when Mavers Steve Adler and the Austin City Council made it lawful to camp in most public spaces by canceling a 23-year-old ordinance that had prohibited it. The council's decision to end the ban sparked a backlash from many Austin residents and business owners, particularly as the city's unsheltered population seemed to multiply during the COVID pandemic. More homeless people, okay? That's what multiply means. Save Austin Now, the political action committee behind the push to reinstate the ban, raised $1.25 million in financial donations through April 21st and leased 29 billboards. 
the PAC's co-founder, Matt McCowiak, uh, the Travis County Republican Party chair, said fundraising total as of Saturday was around $1.75 million. The outcome was pretty much decided after early voting results released after 7 p.m. At the time, 63% of voters who submitted the ballot between the April 19th and April 27th were in favor of reinstating the ban versus 36% who were opposed. Speaking to the early voter account, Adler said he believed it reflected a distaste by voters in seeing people living unsheltered lifestyles. Let me say, they don't like looking at homeless people. But he said, that is true of voters on both sides of the proposition. He added he's committed to greatly reducing the city's homelessness problem before he leaves office in early 2023, a plan he helped create. He helped created yeah, with other government officials and nonprofit leaders called for Austin to add 3,000 housing and shelter units for the next three years. I think people in our city don't want people sleeping in tents in public spaces, Adler said. I think that's a very widely held desire. We need to make it happen. None of us should ever be comfortable with people living in tents in our community. Council member Greg Kasser, who engineered the ordinance change, ordinance change and fought hard with Adler to oppose Prop B, said the work will continue to get people off the streets and into housing. Through the whole campaign season, I talked to so many people who are torn about Prop B, who were for Prop B were, but, and who were against Prop B. I've found people aren't exactly as divided as it seems because I think the vast majority of Austinites share one common goal, which is to truly and drastically reduce homelessness in our city. Prop B won't actually help with that. (laughs) But after today, we have to come together and house 3,000 people experiencing homelessness in the next three years. Under Prop B, penalties be assessed not only for camping, but for sitting and lying down on a public sidewalk or sleeping outdoors in or near downtown Austin area or the area around the University of Texas campus. Can't have those cute little co-eds having to look at homeless people, can we? The ordinance would also prohibit solicitation of money or other things of value at specific hours and locations. That's a freedom of speech violation right there. So you're not allowed to, in certain areas, go up to a person and ask. I would imagine, let's say this. Uh, you're in one of those areas and you go up, you're, you're talking to your friend on that area, sitting on a park bench. And you say, hey, man. Uh, I'm thinking about getting some tickets to the concert this weekend but I'm a little short. Could I borrow some money? And that guy would have to say, no way, man, we're, that would be illegal. And why are you sitting here on this park bench? <laughs> Makiawiak, Makiawiak said the outcome should be a wake up call to Adler and Kasser and the city council, which includes 10 Democrats and a single Republican. Tonight is a clear message the city of Austin sent to City Hall that we're not going to put up with insane policies that make life worse, Makiawiak said. The mayor, Greg Kasser, and a number of other members of city council decided to double down on a policy that was clearly failing. So, what the voters are saying in the liberal city of Austin, Texas, 
according to Casser or whoever, like, well, they just don't want people having to live in tents. They just think it's not right that people are living in tents. That's what they say. But what they really say mean is, I don't like looking at homeless people. I'm a, I am a tax-paying citizen of Austin, and I don't think it's right that I need to be looking at homeless people. That's what they're saying. Because they just have made it a law. <sighs> what did they say? I can't even find it. Not only for camping, but sitting or lying down on a public sidewalk or sleeping outdoors in or near. You cannot sit on a sidewalk now in Austin, Texas. Well, you can because you're not homeless. You can sit on a sidewalk all day because you're cute. You're pretty. You wear the right clothes. But one of those stinky, smelly, dirty, disgusting homeless people, they can't be sitting on the sidewalk. They're going to get fined. See, God knew that's what they were going to vote for. Okay? God knew it. God knew Austin bastion of liberal thought God knew they were going to easily pass this bill because you know why because Adler made homelessness more visible and people don't like it they don't want to see it they want the homeless people to disappear because when the homeless people disappear, then all of a sudden there's no more homelessness. You don't have to think about it anymore. But when a homeless person's sitting there on the sidewalk sleeping, you have to look at it and you have to face the reality that your town has people that don't have shelter. And that makes you feel icky. Okay. Now, let me tell you something. If I was God, the guy that flooded the earth and killed all the humans. Okay. Remember that God told Noah, get all the fucking animals on the boat. All the animals get on the boat, but just, and then eight people. And then you're going to have to fuck each other and bring back all society again. Cause I'm burning this shit to the ground. I don't know what he was mad at. What was God mad at the flood? What was God mad at for the flood Noah? I'm just going to say that. Uh, why did God flood the world? Let's just find out. What, what do we do with violence in the Bible? Mm -hmm. For many today, the idea of that the God of the Bible is good, beautiful, and loving crashes against moment in the Bible of violence, judgment, and bloodshed. How could a good God send a flood to destroy the earth? Why would he command Abraham to sacrifice his son? Would he really tell the Israelites to wipe out the native people of Canaan? Without a good answer, these questions should keep us awake at night. Hell yeah. Rattle our confidence. Make us make belief seem less believable. 
That's why we're embarking on blogs that directly address the violence of several passages of the Old Testament. We often hear questions. The flood, that's Genesis 6, 9. Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac, Genesis 22. The conquest of Canaan, Joshua. Is it possible that even these passages could point to a God who has a plan for redemption for the whole world? Okay. Why did God flood the world? The story of the flood is found in Genesis 6, 9, but it really begins a bit earlier. We can't forget that this story is part of a larger literary unit of Genesis 1 through 11. After Adam and Eve ate the fruit, just as galled God since the beginning, he didn't see it coming. He is still pissed at that. Still pissed. Ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Things began a downward spiral. <laughs> Right out of the gate. He's like, God damn it. God damn it. Humanity multiplied and violence reigned. Cain killed brother Abel, one of Cain's descendants. Lemek became a man renowned with violence, boasting his exploits. Sin and evil were only intensifying. How would God react to this state of humanity? Just before the story of the flood begins, we learn that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, and it grieved God to his heart. It grieved him. So, you know what everybody that's grieving does. God sent floodwaters as a judgment, a block in the way of humanity's wickedness that rose out of the grief of his heart. Genesis describes the flood as the de-creation of the world. The earth sinks back into the chaotic waters that God cleared away on page one of the Bible. In the ark. God carries Noah's family through the flood unharmed to start afresh in a world returned to innocence. <laughs> it's a new beginning and a chance to have a different end. If you're like us, you might be saying, but no matter how you tell the story, God still wipes out all humanity except one family. How does the flood reflect the goodness of God when he's such a disaster on earth? Let's make three observations for the conduct. Okay. Anyways. All right. It's grief, not vengeance. It's just mercy. The Curious Climax, The Covenant. All right, anyways. Let's just say God wipes us all out just because he's merciful. The story of the flood is one of God taking merciful action to restrain humanity's ever-increasing evil. <laughs> Genesis tells us that God saw that every intention of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. Oh, I see. In the Bible, context means everything. Jesus, Genesis firmly anchors the meaning of the flood in the context of God's intervention to stop humanity's headlong slide into evil. So I guess what we're saying is we're a lot better today than we are back then, huh? God looks around. He's like, man, I'm so glad I did that flood thing because these people are great now. Woo. That was a good move. It hurt my soul to have to kill all those humans, but man, it was worth it. It was so worth it. <laughs> yeah. How can you believe in that God? Because I'll tell you what, if I was watching the headlines, Proposition B, that's God. I'd be pissed. I'd be like, you fuckers, you motherfucking fuckers. You're rich. You have everything. You live in goddamn Austin. It's where I'd live. And now you made it illegal for your poor neighbors, 
the poorest of the poor of your neighbors to sit on a sidewalk? Oh, fuck. I got some mercy coming for you. Overwhelmingly voted for this. I guess maybe we're saying that back in flood times, 100% of people would have voted for that. I don't know. Is that what we're saying? That those people were really assholes? Like, like the worst? Like, man, you think people are bad now. You should have seen them back then. I guess you could make that point, but I doubt it. I doubt it. Everybody was a total dick 100% of the time. That's what it was like? Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody. All right. Well, whatever you say. Uh, yeah. Like, this is cruel and inhumane. So these Austinites are like, well, I just don't think it's right that people live in tents and we should have houses for them. Yeah, well, what are they going to do tonight, fuckhead? Fucking asshole. You just made it illegal. You didn't give them the house. Okay. So this is how it goes. We don't give them the solution and then sweep the camp. We sweep the camp and then wish we had the solution. There can't be anything right now in America more cruel and inhumane than the way we're treating the poorest of the poor. And we judge them on top of it. Well, you know, if they'd stop doing drugs. Yeah. You think drugs are what's caused their, that, that has caused their homelessness. That's what it is. You got it all figured out. You genius fuckhead. Yeah. They should stop doing drugs. You get a house and you know, I mean, you hear these people like they're talking, it's usually conservatives. Uh, they're like, well, you know, these minimum wage jobs aren't meant for, uh, you know, living on. They're meant for kids. Thanks, asshole. Where do I pick up one of these high paying jobs? Well, you should go to school like I did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, go to school. You should go to school. Like, you know. Stop drugs. <laughs> All right. Thanks, asshole. You condescending fucker. Yeah. So. That God can't exist. Because if he does and you think that guy's awesome, you're an idiot. If you think that is God. The guy that watches seven-year-olds die of leukemia, but grants the prayer of the drunk asshole at the strip club to get a blowjob. You're, you're what's fucked up. That you would worship that guy. That's the worst possible deity like like it's zeus levels bullshit okay 
you got to do some deep digging in who you believe in. And don't give me that shit of like, well, we can't understand the, you know, the meaning of God, what, you know, what God is trying to do. Well, I don't give a fuck what God is trying to do, but no seven-year-old deserves to die of leukemia. None. No seven-year-old deserves to get raped up the ass by his dad. None. And those kids pray and pray and pray. Please don't let dad rape me again. God doesn't come. God doesn't show up. How many prayers of children go unanswered by this God? And I only bring up children because, you know, you probably care about children. How many of these homeless people pray to God for a house, for somebody to care about them, to not make their existence illegal? And then they just watch their neighbors flood to the polling booth to say you're illegal. You, you that have no place to go, nowhere to sleep, you are illegal. How many homeless people in Austin prayed to God to not let Prop B pass? And he let it pass. And now it's illegal again. In Austin, motherfucking Texas, the bastion of liberal hope to sit or lay down on a fucking sidewalk. I don't know how you believe in that. Or even if you believe in it, I don't know why you uh, worship it. That's the kind of God you need to hate. That's the kind of God that you need to stand up against. (laughs) Or you got to change your beliefs. Because that's not God. (laughs) God isn't pulling all the strings. God isn't a man. God isn't up. God isn't in the clouds. God isn't God. It's not one thing that's separate from all the other things. God is a force, is an energy. And it balances good and evil. But 
the strength of God in your life depends on what you believe and what you stand for. The goodness of God becomes stronger when you stand for goodness. The darkness and evil of God becomes stronger when you do things like vote for Proposition B. It's your choice. It's all God. But you decide what gets manifest. Humans hate other humans. Racism is a good one because it's such a huge part of our culture. We talk about good neighborhoods and bad neighborhoods. White people do. White middle class people do. They're like, this is a bad neighborhood. This is a good neighborhood. And you believe that, but, and you aren't in, you aren't cognitively saying it's because they're black. But when you look at the stats of the neighborhoods that you call bad, they're mostly African-American. And African-Americans know this. So that's black hate. And you don't have to you don't have to be like some overt racist calling people the N-word to hate black people. You can think you love black people. I don't hate black people. Well, yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do hate black people. Because everything about you. propagates a system that makes black people bad and white people good. And the easiest of that is you just can see it in our, like use the prison system as our survey of that. There are more black people in prison than white people, yet 13% of our population is black. But more than half of our prison population is black. So is that, does that mean that black people are t more dangerous, more criminal than white people? I think there's a lot of white people who would say, yep, that's what it means. No, bro. <laughs> you stupid. It's because that's where all the white cops go. The black, the bad neighborhoods. Because they're like, this is a bad neighborhood. They're right there with you. This is a bad neighborhood. This is where all the drug deals go. This is where all the violence is. No, man. <laughs> that shit is going on all over.
over the city. White people are not statistically <laughs> any less criminal than black people. That makes no sense. Do you know how many white people I know that are thieves doing drugs? A lot. A lot. They get away with it. Go watch some YouTube videos on drug dealers. And they'll tell you. They'll be like, look, it's you you want to be a middle class white drug dealer selling cocaine to uh middle class and upper middle class white people because you're free. You walk around all day. Ain't nothing going to happen to you as long as you are mildly careful. They're not looking for you. You think <laughs> you think white people aren't doing drugs? <laughs> aren't buying illegal drugs? Aren't buying cocaine? Who do you think buys the cocaine in America? Huh? Poor black people? <laughs> no. No, we know. We learned from Joe Biden. They black people. I don't know if it's true still. Yeah, I know a lot of black people that do crack. I do. Sorry. I don't know if that's racist or not, but I'm telling you, my black friends do crack and my white friends do meth. I don't know why. I am not. I'm just telling you anecdotally. This isn't a scientific study. I just know that of my friends that do drugs, my black friends do crack and my white friends do meth. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just telling you what I've heard, what I know. <laughs> but nobody does Coke. <gasps> oh, one guy did Coke for a while. He got $18,000 inheritance, a homeless guy, and he spent it all on Coke. All of it. Every penny. What does that say, right? Guy living in the woods gets an inheritance from his dead mom or dad or whatever, $18,000. And he spends it all on drugs. I talked to him about it and he's like, it just happened. He's like, I didn't intend it to do that. I just, just did. <sighs> so... You know, but you're like, are you kidding me, man? $18,000. I mean, that's life-changing money for somebody that has no money. And it was for a while. He was living it up. He was buying Coke for his friends. Everybody was having a party. Seemed like a missed opportunity. We all thought it. Even the homeless people. We all did. We're like, man, that sucks. Uh... It's just, it's just being human, man. We're all making stupid mistakes. But the point is that we continually 
hurt people that are already down, that aren't us. White people do it. We just did it in Austin. Well, you know, I don't think it's right that they should be in tents, so I don't think they should live in tents. So I voted yes on Proposition B to make it illegal to sit and lay down on the sidewalk. Because that's not right. <laughs> okay. Liberal hippie. Thanks for helping. I think, you know, there's there's a lot of drug use in the inner city and we really need to get that cleaned up. You know, it's not safe. We want to help those people. Okay, good. Thanks. Thanks. So now you got these white vigilante cops coming into the inner city, fucking up black people's lives. So I, you know, you read these things like this proposition B and you're just like, there's no hope. There's no hope. They were on the path. And this Adler guy was like, look, man, I'm not going to bury our homeless problem. We need to get in front of it. And he basically said, he's like, if we hide it, it's just going to keep cropping up and cropping up and getting worse and worse. The next thing you know, we're going to be like San Francisco. And he's like, we need to get in front of this and look at it. And they're like, no way. I don't want to look at that shit. That's fucked up, bro. That's bad policy. And then the one Republicans like the people have spoken. Yeah, well, people are idiots. People are cruel. People like do stupid shit all the time. And it just makes you think, well, just fuck it. Fuck it all. You know, you really think police brutality against black people is going to get any better after that Chauvin trial? Oh, yeah. We convicted a police officer. Good job. He was on that guy's neck for, what was it, seven, nine minutes with his knee on a video. I mean, like, and. For sure, they could have made him, uh, you know, given him a pass on it. But given the climate of today, that would have been unseemly. And so now we've just kind of made him our sacrificial lamb. And when shit dies down, which it eventually will, we'll move on to something else. Then, you know, we can get back to murdering black people all day, every day. People get tired of looking at the video footage. They'll get tired of it. People get tired. People get tired. And so it just all seems like pointless, right? I mean, nothing changes. Does it? Really? We took away chattel slavery and then we just made it so we made a constitutional amendment that slavery was illegal unless you were a prisoner. And so we just took all those black people and white people now and turned them into slaves in the prisons. 
built it right into our constitution. And then, you know, made it illegal to do drugs, which is an addiction, a brain disease, made that a crime. And now look, it's a crime to sit down in Austin. <laughs> so we can add them to our slave trade. I have a friend who's had three trespasses in Akron, Ohio for sleeping on property that he didn't own. Looking at six months in jail. He's looking at six months in jail. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's just stuff like this that just really like, you're like how you can't even change Austin. You can't even convince people in Austin. To, to care about homeless people. But you know what? You can then look at it another way. And you can be like, look, the fact of the matter is letting people just rot on the sidewalk is fucked up. It's fucked up. Is that really what you want? Is that really your plan? Just be like, well, I guess people should be able to sleep and sit down wherever they want. You can look at it another way and be like, look, man, I'm not against homeless people, but if we're just like, well, now it's, now it's legal to just sleep anywhere. Then they're just going to sleep anywhere and we can, and we're going to get used to it. I guess. Is that the thought? I mean, I guess that's the thought of like why uh, sex work is illegal. Look, we can't let sex work be illegal because, you know, sex works hurts women. <laughs> it hurts women. So if we make it legal, then we're basically saying let's hurt women. I guess that's the theory. We can't let drug use be legal because it hurts people. If we let drug use be legal, we're, we're hurting people. So I guess you have to ask, is Prop B the same as prohibition of sex work and drug use? Because if it is, then I think you can make a case that sex work and drug use are not getting better because we made them illegal. And I would think that there is no rational human being that will say, well, Prop B is going to make homelessness better. We're making it illegal to sit or lay down on sidewalks in Austin because we don't like homelessness. That's what they say. 
So now you've turned them into criminals. You've turned sex workers into criminals. You've turned drug addicts into criminals. And now you've turned homeless people into criminals. And so then that doesn't stop the sex work or the, or the uh, uh, drug use or the homelessness. It just buries it. So that the rich liberals don't have to look at it. And that makes them happy. And then out of sight, out of mind, who cares what happens behind the scenes? Who cares that uh, now homeless people have to hide and are living in worse conditions, hiding, because they don't want to go to jail for being homeless. And of course, in our drug use situation, we're all doing drugs that are unsafe because we're buying drugs on the black market that aren't regulated, even marijuana here in Ohio, and they're lacing it with fentanyl. They're lacing marijuana with fentanyl because it's illegal to do marijuana, okay? And that's the same with sex work. Because it's illegal, it's all underground. And you have to hire a pimp. You have to give all your money to a pimp so he can bail you out of jail. <laughs> it's fucked up. It's fucked up to make things you don't like illegal. But you got to have hope. <laughs> Can't believe I'm saying that. But you do. Because what else are you going to do? You're going to just give up? Are you just going to give up? You're going to spend your 80 years on earth just getting drunk because that's legal and watching Netflix, going on vacations, getting a designer puppy dog. Is that what you're going to do? Because you're like, it's hopeless. You know what? I wouldn't blame you in the least if you did. That's not me. I can't just sit around seeing the atrocities we commit against ourselves, against our own neighbors, and not try to do something. Watch that movie, Rocky, Italian Stallion. It's a seven, 1978, 76 movie. It's a great movie. You should go watch it. It's on HBO Max for free. The end of the movie, I'm a spoiler alert. He's fighting Apollo Creed, who's the heavyweight champion of the world. And it was supposed to just be kind of a spectacle fight. But Italian Stallion sees this as, as a shot. And right before the fight, he's like, look, I can't beat this guy. I can't beat him. And his girlfriend, Adrian, is like, what are you saying? 
Like I can't win. But I just want to go the distance. I can't beat Apollo Creed. I just want to go the distance. Damn, that's heavy. That's fucking heavy. He can't beat Holly. And he worked so hard. He trained so hard. Took it so seriously. And in the movie, sure enough, he doesn't win. It's a, a tie. You don't say a tie. It's a draw. Boxing called a draw. But he went the distance. He stayed standing all, what was it, 15, 18 rounds? Jesus Christ, that's a lot of rounds. And it went to a draw. He didn't win. But he went the distance. And he knew he couldn't win. But that doesn't matter. It's not about winning. It's about staying in the fight. You don't know what's going to happen. Things change. We had chattel slavery. Now we don't. Now we just have prison slavery. But that changed. If prison slavery bothers you, why don't you spend your life trying to change that? Bothers me. I think everybody should make at least minimum wage. And if you don't want to give it to the people in the prison, send it to their families. Or send it to the families of the victims or something. But nobody should be able to get free labor. The mo- there should be the, the money should be spent. Because who doesn't want slaves? <laughs> who doesn't want, you know, what are they spending? I think a dollar a meal or something they're trying to get it down to. They're spending a dollar a meal. And uh, getting free labor. Where's the money go? Who's making the money? Do we even know? Who gets the money? What are they charging the companies? Are the companies getting the discounted labor rate? We don't know. Somebody's getting a deal. Off of the backs of drug addicts. (laughs) So look, you lose the prop B battle. You get back in the fight. My deal is private property. I'm putting people on my private property and I'm not backing down this time. That's my deal. And I know for a fact I'm doing three three things. I'm doing two tents and a tiny house. And I'm willing to go the distance on it. Because people need shelter. And I'll tell you, two, I've only got two people right now. Both of them want housing. So you don't like these guys in tents? You come and get them. I'm not the housing guy. I'm the emergency shelter guy. 
I do emergency shelter and I work with them in the emergency shelter. See, it takes an ecosystem. I do the emergency shelter. You don't like people in tents, then come and get them. Now I'm getting, I'm helping. I'm getting them IDs and birth certificates and social security cards and nicer tents and encouraging them to do stuff. But I'm not doing the whole thing. You got other people have to step in. And until the foreseeable future, that's my that's my plan. I'm not stealing other people's land. I'm not going to have 50 tents on this piece of land, at least right now. It's not my plan. I don't have any other plans other than two tents in a tiny house, and I'm going to make them cute as fucking buttons. I'm going to put mulch around them, flowers. I think I'm about making a memorial garden around it, sacred land for uh, fallen brothers and sisters due to opiates or uh, gun shootings or our homeless friends that have died. I'm going to make it sacred and beautiful, sacred and beautiful. That's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to go the distance because no American citizen should ever, ever, ever have to spend a single night without shelter ever. Humans can't live without shelter. And it's my land. If I want people to sit and lay on it, I have the right to do that. There's nothing illegal about sitting and laying on my land. And furthermore, it's not a campground because campgrounds charge. I don't charge. Trying to tell me I had a campground, an illegal campground, a campground. Look it up. When you don't charge, you don't have a campground. And you don't have to like adhere to any of the campground laws. <laughs> so I'm going the distance on that. Because, and my one thing, I have one thing. Every American citizen needs emergency shelter. And they like, and not like, it can't be illegal. All right. You don't want them on the streets. Let me put them on my land. You can't give up. You can't give up. It's depressing, but you can't give up. You have to go the distance. Thank you for listening to Sage and the Houseless Movement, a weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide.